0: I don't know what it would be like to grow up, you know, this is going to sound a little strange, but to grow up like Jesus did. If you go back and look in the Old Testament, now the accounts change depending on who's interpreting and who's accounting and what kind of list you look at. But I know that I I saw a list of uh, 353 promises or prophecies in the old testament concerning christ 350 accounts from years before that were talking about the christ now we know that in in genesis when there was a fall one of the first accounts was where the serpent was told that that the woman's seed would crush the head of the serpent but the serpent would bruise his heel would strike his heel and But there was a seed that would come, and in our Bible it's capitalized because it's looking forward not just to any seed, but to the seed of the Lord that would come. And uh, throughout Scripture, there are recountings by prophets and and, and different ones through the Scripture that that build this expectation of one day when the earth would be graced with the presence of the Lord, Emmanuel, God with us. God with us, not God out out there somewhere not God who did something a long time ago and then just let things play out while he was doing something else but God with us and we know that's always been his desire God instituted the temple in within the the framework of Israel so that he could be with his people but he was distant from them but there was a day that was going to come where he wouldn't be locked behind in the holy of holies but that would be opened up so that he could be with us and he could be in us. And so there was an expectancy that was, that was laid out through Scripture. And, and, and uh, um, it's a very difficult thing when, I know some of you may have grown up in, in a household where there was a whole lot of expectation of you. There was very high standards set, and people's responses to that type of environment can be very varied. There's some people when they have a challenge that's laid ahead of them, they rise to the challenge and they go for it. They are, they are going to, if somebody says a negative thing about them, they're going to prove them wrong. If somebody raises the bar to them, it's just a goal and they will go after it. There's other people's response is that if somebody puts an expectation on them, um, and it's act- this is actually a form of perfectionism, but when somebody puts an expectation on them, rather than doing all they can to rise to that challenge, they back away. And they do not put forth effort and they will wait to the last minute. Um, um, Procrastination is a form of perfectionism. Did you know that? Procrastination is an avoidance of being judged by the outcome. So people wait and they say, well, I I really didn't get to do my best uh, because I didn't have enough time to do it. And so it, it gives you an out. So you don't have to be compared with what that expectation was. So anyhow... For someone who's grown up in a household where well, there was a lot of expectation of them, our, ex- our, our uh, response to that is very, very different. Imagine what it was like for young Jesus. At least 353 that I've seen, but estimates say between 200 to 400 prophecies that preceded him, talking about what his life would be like, what would be accomplished through his life, and all those things. And I'm just going to tell you this. We can go through all that in our own mind, but it was no problem for Jesus. Now, the question that we might have is, and then people have posed it, and, and it really doesn't have to be that big of a question, but but Jesus was born God. He was fully man and fully God. There are some false teachings that say that he um, fully obeyed, and so he was chosen to be the Son of God. If you... if some, some of the cults teach that, that he was not he was just kind of like us. And then one day, because God was pleased with him, God chose him to be the one that salvation came through, that he was just basically man until that point. But that's not the case. That's not what the Bible teaches. And anything that you hear that's, that questions the sonship of Jesus Christ according to the books of John, if you read the books of John, anything that questions the, son, the, uh, the sonship of Jesus Christ is really the spirit of Antichrist. It's diminishing the Christ. It's uh, trying to make him look less than the sovereign that he was. So we know from biblical scripture that he was God when he was born. And I can't tell you what that was like to be, for him to be a child and be God. What were his mental faculties at that state? Did he goo-goo and gaga? Apparently, because there's, I mean, I think we would have had a record if he came out speaking, you know, full Hebrew or Aramaic. But the reality is he developed as a man while internally he was still fully God. But he had to develop in life. He had to grow and he had to mature into what his destiny was and what God called him to be, even though he was the Son of God. Now, for this day, there are many accounts that we're familiar with. We're familiar with the shepherds and we're familiar with the angels' testimony and we're familiar with the They're wise men, but I wanted to go to some testimony about this Christ who was born from other voices that we have in the scripture that are testimony of him living his life, but of his childhood. And so let's turn to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to start out at verse 21 and just briefly lay lay a foundation, then we'll move in. We're going to talk about Simeon and Anna, and then about Jesus' time in the temple. There's some things I want you to get out of that. So I, I don't really want to read at verse 21. just want to say this, that at eight days after birth, it was the requirement of the parents of, of a, a Jewish son that he be presented, that he be purified at the temple. It was a time of circumcision for that child. And uh, Joseph and Mary brought baby Jesus back to the temple, brought him to the temple, and, and dedicated him to the Lord at that time. We would use the term dedication. But it was a time of purification, And because a firstborn male in a a household at that time was was sacred unto the Lord, was dedicated unto the Lord, um, it was required of parents at that time to make an offering to redeem that son so that that son, really the firstborn of the flock, had to be sacrificed. But for a, a living human being, they could make an offering to the Lord. And so it says that they took the child to the temple and then they... Sacrifice, which would have been like a pair of turtle doves or a pair of young pigeons, to make an atonement for his life the, on his behalf. And uh, so they dedicated Jesus at the temple. But while they were there, they came across some people that gave testimony uh, as to who it would be. Now, we've had all of those prophecies that preceded that we've already talked about, but here we've got living testimony of the Christ. The, the days after his, the day after his, his testimony here. So look at verse 25. I'm reading out a New Living Translation. At that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. It says he was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. Let's pause right there. So we've got this individual, Simeon, okay? You know what's amazing to me about Simeon and about his life? We don't know anything about his story. We don't know anything about some kind of profound act that he did or some amazing venture that he went on or a book that he wrote or some challenge that he took on in life, except for this passage that speaks about him. In this passage, the testimony that's given about him is that it says that he was a righteous man that he was a devout man. That means that there was a testimony of his life that preceded him, the way he had lived and the character that he had lived. But we can say, who is he? Who is, who is Simeon? Um, I, I read that passage, folks, and, and, and I just want to say, say something to you, okay? We have a buried congregation here, and we have got s- s- um, several senior citizens in our congregation. Yeah. <laughs> getting soggy already up here look it ain't over it is not over okay retirement in the natural is only an opportunity to be able to do more than what God's called you to do your testimony the legacy of your righteousness and your devotion and the life that you've lived for the Lord still has a light burning that needs to be cast out into the next generation you need to be speaking truth you need to be speaking life you need to be sharing the word of god with the people you come in contact with god has more for you to do it isn't over it isn't over and so he was a righteous and a devout man and said that he had a passion there was something going on on the inside that he was eagerly waiting for the messiah to come all those that, that the weight of the prophecies that had gone before that were yet to be fulfilled. This man who was is later in his years is expectantly waiting for the Lord to come. But listen to what it says about him. So he, we know he was righteous and devout, but it says the Holy Spirit. Now we're talking pre salvation, okay? We're talking pre the, the cross of Jesus Christ, we're talking before the upper room. But in this place it says the Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So he was somebody who was walking with the influence of the Holy Spirit in his life before Jesus. We know that there's people in the Old Testament, there's many that are spoken of, that the Holy Spirit came and rested on them or the Holy Spirit moved with them and guided and directed them. But here's someone Who at this point in his life, his expectancy was that the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one would come. And that's what he was living for. He was living in the anticipation of that. He had been told that he would not die until he saw that. That He would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And it said that day the Holy Spirit led him to the temple. Have you ever had the Holy Spirit lead you into something you didn't know what you're getting into yet? I don't know why I'm here but I know something's getting ready to happen. Um, He's the same Holy Spirit. It says, so when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. I tried to say Moses. Simeon was there. He said he took the child in his arms and he praised God. Thank you, God. And then he said, he says a blessing over the child. Sovereign Lord, now let your servant Live another 15 years. Can you imagine? I mean, that is so contrary to what we would anticipate. He said, Lord, now let your servant die in peace. This is what he had been living for. He knew that his life would not end until he had seen the Messiah. Isn't that kind of a strange thing? Just think about that. Here he finally sees the hope. He finally sees the Messiah in the form of a little eight-day-old baby and he says now let your servant die in peace why why could he rest why could he have peace he knew that hope was alive and well that that had been sought after that that brought a reconciliation between heaven and, and earth that that restored mankind to the relationship that we were created for that hope had been birthed in the earth and here, Simeon was content with being able to see this hope and hold Christ in his arms, and he was able to say that he could die in peace. Now let your servant die in peace, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people, and that's unique because he didn't just say Israel. <laughs> that you that you have that you have. The light that you've revealed to all people, and he is the glory of your people Israel. And so, I mean, the Israelite people were looking for the Messiah to come. And he had a revelation that he would be the glory of the people of Israel, but He also it was a, it was a hope and a light to all nations. It says Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Simeon blessed them, and then he said to Mary, the baby's mother. Now listen to this. Because his previous blessing and statement over Jesus is talking about him being a light to the nations and about him being a glory, a hope for the, the Israelite people. And he's speaking about the broad thing. And, 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 uh, but he turns this statement, he turns back to the mother Mary, and he gives her insight to prepare her for life. And listen to what he says, because it sounds contrary to what he just said. He said, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall. He knew the implications of the Christ child and what it would mean to the people of Israel. There were a lot of people in Israel as there are today that are more puffed up and more enthralled with their tradition than they are with the relationship with the Christ. They're more willing to line up and measure themselves based on their performance than there are on what was accomplished by Christ. They judge themselves, sometimes critically and sometimes boastfully, based on religious performance and not by relationship let me tell you performance doesn't get it there are many ministers who pour themselves into a successful ministry and their ministries bloom and blossom and then the light on their candle fades because they have not uh, continued to feed the relationship with their lord they got caught up in the busyness of the ministry they got caught up in all the religious activities and things like that but it's about a relationship people it's not about being busy and and it's a good thing for all of us i mean sometimes we seek the lord for what we want to get for him not for who he is sometimes we judge and point fingers at him because things don't go the way we want them to go but we're not really walking in relationship with him so and and then then i just have to to preface and and go back and, and, I guess, qualify with this. I see some people that are struggling or some people that go through difficult things, and it's amazing to me to see the strength that they find because they're in the right place in their relationship with the Lord. And the relationship with the Lord sustains them even in hard times. So he says, this child is destined to call many in Israel to fall, but he will be the joy to many others. I'm one of the many others. I'm one of the many others. He will be a joy to many others. He has been sent as a sign from God to many, but many people will oppose him. And then he turns, to, talking to Mary, he said, as a result, the deepest thoughts, the thoughts of the inner man, That the the deepest motives, the hidden places of many will be revealed. What's at the core of our life? What is it that we're really seeking after? When we seek Christ, are we seeking for our own good? What if what God calls us to do puts us in a place where we could be harmed yes i said that that may not be popular in some places but there are people who are called to do things that put them in jeopardy paul but to speak of paul puts it back in a a, a, a biblical time frame but throughout church history you know i'm i i will not drag you through all that but i'm a church history buff i've I, I got a master's in christian doctrine and history doesn't that sound exciting it was about that exciting too I mean I, I love it but, but throughout the years Have you ever, you ever read Fox's book of martyrs Anybody ever read it cover to cover Did you read it cover to cover I didn't Fox's It's, it's a, an amazing history But it will challenge you to the core People throughout history There have been believers who Gave their lives or their lives were taken from them because they chose to serve Christ. They chose to stand and, and let their testimony be known. Fox's Book of Martyrs is literally a book that was written many years ago. And it details account after account of individuals or church families. Or in some places towns that were completely annihilated and, and lost their lives. Because they chose to follow the Lord. I mean thousands of people at the time who lost their lives. And it recounts, and I, John, I appreciate you walking your way through that. I got just so far, and I thought, this is depressing, you know. I mean, I appreciate the testimony and everything like that, but I didn't want to keep hearing all about that. I mean, but there's people that laid down their life. You know, it would be easy to, to justify something away if we were living in an Iraq or Saudi Arabia or a country that was not friendly to Christianity to say, well, It doesn't really matter what I say. It's what I believe in my heart. You know, I know that they're asking me, am I a Christian? And there are people living there that that I've heard of that they're Christian, but they still dress according to the religious code of that area or they, you know, kind of hide their Christianity for fear of their life and for fear of what would happen to their family. And so they live that way. I really can't judge that because I'm not living under that situation. But folks, throughout the millennia there have been people who lived and died for the lord they were willing to lay their life on the line just to declare that jesus is lord the roman church the statement to say jesus is lord which was their common greeting among believers it gave them an identification uh, place where they would they would recognize who were christians they would say jesus is lord that was the death sentence on them because they were supposed to be declaring that caesar was god and when they said Jesus is Lord, it set them apart and made them, made them in a position of being an outcast and, and could possibly be a martyr. Anyhow, let's go back to verse 35. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many, many hearts will be revealed. And then he says to Mary, a sword will pierce your very soul. Now we don't have any kind of historical uh, data to say that she physically was pierced by a soul by a sword but most believe that this is talking about emotionally what she would suffer when jesus died on the cross when she saw him there kneeling when she was there at the cross and saw her own son pierced and die but right there after giving that blessing of all that would be accomplished through the christ simeon turns right around and lets her know that there's a a a somber note to what would would happen through jesus's life that there would be people who rejected him people that turned away from him what he did would expose the hearts of people. And we saw people that, that relished the miracles and loved the food that he provided and then turned right around and called for him to be crucified. But here Simeon was giving a testimony of what this little eight-day-old baby would one day accomplish. We turn right around in this passage and turn to, to uh, verse 36, and we find that there is an Anna here, a prophetess. It said, Anna was also there in the temple... She said she was, I'm, I'm skipping down just a little bit. She was very old, it said. Now don't be comparing it yourself. She was very old. Her, it says her husband died when she w- had been married for only seven years. So here Anna was only married in life for seven years, but she has lived out her life, it says. She never left the temple. And something that's significant about that, I'm not sure if you're aware, but in the temple, women were not allowed to, into the deeper part of the temple. They weren't allowed in that place. They had to stay on the outer part of the temple. But yet, she loved God, and her devotion to God was so great that she stayed at the temple, it said. It said she stayed there day and night, worshiping God and fasting in prayer. I don't know how old she was when she got married, but if we presumptively say 20 years old, and then she lived for seven years as a married person, so we give her 27, and that's probably presumptive, Pastor Eric, because they got married women got married a lot younger back in that day but from age 27 all the way to to year 84 here she and that's not to say that she didn't go home and take a shower and a bath and that type of thing like that but her lifestyle and her desire and her passion was to be there in the temple of the lord amazing She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God and fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking to Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. So she either heard his testimony or spiritually recognized this as being the Christ. And she talked about the child to everyone that had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Israel, rescue Jerusalem. Now, some of you may be seeing... Differing words here between the statement about Simeon and his expectation and Anna's. We'll get to that in just a minute. It said, but when Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth. And there the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. And let me go back just a little bit. Over in, in verse 25, it talks about Simeon said, he was a righteous, devout, and eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. It also says in this translation, what does it say in the New King James Version? Anybody got that? Redeem? Is the word redeem in your Bible? I believe it is redeem. But here again in, uh, in verse 20, 38, speaking of Anna, it says she was waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. And let me just there's a differentiation in the words, and, and really, redeem doesn't fully explain it either. But it literally, the word redeem that, that's translated rescue here in, in Simeon's account is literally the word, and this was interesting to me, but it's the Greek word parakletos, that he was waiting for the parakletos. But here, and there are also other passages in the Bible where that is used of Jesus, that he was a comfort, that he was, and the term that's used is a consoler, he would some that reconcile the things that were out of place. And in that, he would be a paraclete. The word paraclete literally means parachute. You got to shoot. Paraclete means one who comes alongside to assist. But in this sense, it's talking about one who, as a reconciler, uh, it's translated in this version as a rescuer. But one who comes alongside us to be there to help us out of our dilemma and see that things are made right. The word that's used, speaking of Anna, is not parakletos, even though it's translated here as, as rescue. But here it's literally that she has, was waiting for God to ransom or to redeem Jerusalem. So she was waiting in expectation. Simeon talked about someone who's coming to reconcile Someone who was coming alongside to help. He was waiting for help to come. And he saw it fulfilled in this Christ child. He knew that that prophecy was being fulfilled through the Christ. And here Anna was also seeing that there was one who was come that would, would, would ransom. One speaks of help for the people. One speaks of doing the work that needed to be done with, before God. The redeeming, the paying of the price, and the restoration of the relationship between God. There's hope. And there's help. We're living in a world where people, you know, I, I, I heard just the other day that there are more people that have died this year due to overdoses in the United States, way more than died in all of the Vietnam War. With all the tragedy that we saw through the Vietnam War, war all the lives that were, were shattered and, and broken. We're living in a society today where people are, by their own volition, subjecting themselves to addiction, that's taking them to that place to where they're losing their lives, more than the Vietnam War in one year. There's an epidemic going on around us, and it's not just in the streets, though there are people who've been in... in, in uh, high positions in jobs that end up that way um, I, I just got got on a, a website a while back and it it was showing pictures before they were on meth and after they were on meth and what two years does to a person there are some horrible things that people are addicted to but what drives someone to an addiction I, I know that and we're familiar that people get involved in that because of painkillers and things like that but really that's a small percentage comparatively most people are looking for some type of euphoria they're they're getting involved in practices when they're with their friends and doing something for entertainment but it continues because they're trying to get some type of satisfaction some type of good feeling some type of relief from the pain some type of sense of worth to their life and Sad to say, for, for some people, their greatest hope and their greatest relief is coming from the re- euphoria of an intoxicated or, or drug-induced high than really from living life. It's a desperate situation that people are living in. But we have hope. There is a different kind of high. There is something that is sustained. Being in a relationship with God and having hope for the future. Our current situation is not the determining factor in what our eternity is going to be or what our tomorrow is going to be because a little baby came. A little baby was born into this earth. It wasn't just the baby, but what his life would accomplish in that Christ child Full of potential, full of expectancy, that babbling little baby that had to be born in the arms of a mom, that had to be fed by a mother, and had to be dressed, and had to be cleaned up when he messed himself, was the hope for all mankind. And the Holy Spirit... And settled on him when he was baptized, and the father said, This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. But it says here in this passage that verse, look at verse 40. Says, There in Nazareth, there in the town of Nazareth, the child grew healthy and strong, and was filled with wisdom. And God's favor favor was on him. I just want to propose something to you, and, and you know, the scriptures already said that he was obedient to his parents. That he grew up in his faith. He had a physical body, and that body had to be healthy too. His body was healthy and strong, and it said that he was filled with wisdom. He grew in wisdom, the Scripture says, and knowledge of the Lord. But he had favor with God. I just want to tell you something. and uh, I mean, from birth, he was fully God. But with regards, with regards to his humanity, there was a process that was involved. It took time for him to develop into the physical man that we recognize as the Christ. It took time to develop into that man that walked in the earth and did the miracles. It took time for him to be the man that, that spoke in the temple and the one who, who uh, was willing to stand before Pilate and before, before, uh, um, before Herod. It took time for him to grow into that, but he was full of God. He was fully God. But he also developed as a man. It goes on here and it talks about as a 12-year-old boy, you can see the process that's being taken place when he was 12 years old in verse 41. And I won't take a lot of time with this, I just want us to see one thing. But it was the Passover festival, and as the custom was in Israel, everyone was supposed to go to the temple in Jerusalem on the Passover, on the Passover. And I I've never been to Israel yet. I'll go one day. But my understanding is, have you ever been Ralph? Field trip. That's um, a long field trip. My understanding is that Nazareth is about sixty-five miles from Jerusalem. So I mean, it was a trek to get. Does that sound right, Pastor Eric? I know you've been there, the the uh, m- multiple times, right? Um, that was a a trek they weren't jumping in the Toyota and running down there they had to walk it out or ride on a donkey or something like that but most people just walk and so it took a few days to be able to get there even at a good stride so they walked down there for the Passover and after the Passover celebration you know they celebrated the Passover and then there were seven days that followed after that that was a part of the festival and the, the, the celebration after that time uh, um, um, let's go to verse 43 After the celebration o- was over They started home to Nazareth But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem I know you know this story I just want to share it with you But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem His parents didn't miss him at first Okay parents <laughs> Parenting 101 Twelve um, year old son How many of you would be comfortable enough To walk all day long And never even notice that your twelve year old Wasn't with you but they had confidence, apparently, in him. They just walked all day long and said the parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. That just really is funny to me. But when he didn't show up that evening, I mean, they'd gone all day long. Anna, how about you and your boys? <laughs> um, maybe not even five minutes, right? <laughs> what are they into now? Um, but when they didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and their friends. And when they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him. I mean, the capital city. They're having to look through the city. They don't know where he is. They searched for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. So he's sitting there in the temple. I don't know how he, how did he eat? Where did he sleep? He's sitting in the temple listening to the teachers. And asking questions said, and all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Now, basically, if you look at that word understanding, and I've got the, uh, this is the, Spirit-filled life Bible, if y'all are familiar with it, you may have that. I went out and studied out the word that's, that's there for understanding, and then I found out that there's a note right at the bottom of the page that explains what I'd studied out. So thank you very much for the study notes. But after my digging, what I came back to, the, the word understanding there, that they were amazed at his, his ability to, to put things together. In other words, it's not, it's not arts and crafts in that kind of way, but it is... Um, analytical. He was able to take pieces of information and put them together in such a way that it made sense. So putting it together, our common term, putting two, to two, two and two together. He could rapidly have an understanding of something. He could take this piece of information, that piece of information, and put it together and make it make sense. And here at 12 years old, that those that were the teachers and the leaders of the temple were amazed. There was a gifting working inside him that they were able to see operating. They were able to see the substance of God that was maturing on the inside. It was being able to be let out through that physical body. And here Jesus' hunger for the things of God supplanted or uh, was more important to him even than his concern about whether or not mom and dad would be worried. Yeah, I'd be frustrated as a parent. But here he was, and when his parents said they didn't know, he said, verse 48, his parents didn't know what to think. Son? His mother said to him, I can imagine, son, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. I mean, it's been three days. But why did you need to search? He, he, he asked, didn't you know that I must be about my father, capital F, my father's house, that I must be in my father's house, for my father's business? But they didn't understand what he meant. They didn't really get it at that time. And then it says, verse 51, and this is a great testimony to the Christ, to Jesus. It says that when, he, then he returned to Jerusalem with them and was obedient to them. He was obedient to them and his mother stored all these things in her heart. Several years ago, some of you may remember, it was 2001. And that's a uh, whole age away from some people already. Do you realize we're getting ready to step into 2019, so it's 18 years ago. But I went on the, the Teen Mania trip as a, a team lead. And I was 36. I thought I was young at 36 until I got on that trip. And when I'm 36 and on that trip, I realized, okay, there's 84 people in this team going overseas to South Africa. I'm the oldest one. I'm the oldest male. There was a 40-year-old lady from California. But I was the oldest male on that trip. And what really got me was when these high schoolers and the young 20-year-olds, the young 20-year-olds especially, came to me and said, You remind me so much of my dad. (laughs) And all of a sudden, the facade of being young just kind of faded away. At at 36, I was as old as their parents. And uh, anyhow... um, I remember one of the first questions they asked me when I was going through my team leader orientation and and they were checking me out to see if I'd be a good fit for a team leader. Uh, Chris and Denise know all about this. But um, when they they asked me this question and it stopped me in my tracks, they said, are you all right with taking taking, um, direction from someone younger than you? I had to think about that. Because the people who are going to be leading the group, the leaders for the group over me, were, I think, 27. So I said, yes, I believe I will be able to, but (laughs) if I feel like there's an error, I will probably want to let them know what my counsel would be. I mean, because I think that's wisdom, you know. But, I said, that I'll be willing to submit to their leadership. It's their, their responsibility. So. And that was a hard thing for me. And here, just think about this young child. You know, as he is growing, I, I, I cannot get into the mind of the young Christ. I cannot go there because he is who he is. But at what point did, did he know? Did he know from birth and there was something going on spiritually while the body was maturing? What do you think, Ralph? <laughs> Yeah, he knew at 12 who he was, that he should be about his father, capital F's, business. But he still went back to Nazareth and was submitted to his parents and was obedient to them. Wow. You know, even as adults, we fight God sometimes. We obstinate. Where's, Kendra, what was that word that we had for the Bible study? Do you remember that word? Obdurate. That's a great word. Y'all ought to look it up. Abdurance, Abdurant. Ob, ob, it means, just to be colloquial, let's just say mule-headed. Hard-headed, stubborn, knowing what you should be doing, but determined not to do it anyhow. God describes the children of Israel, part of their problem was that they were obdurant. They were determined to do what they wanted to do, no matter what they were supposed to be doing. And they were set in their ways. And uh, sometimes we're that way when God gives us something that he wants to do through us. And we limit what God can accomplish in our lives. But all of these things, we're going we're gonna to stop with that. Because if I don't take what we've learned right here and turn it into something that we can take home with us, I haven't done us a disservice. I, we're not here to just grow in knowledge. We need to have application for life. And uh, I, 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 when I was reading these passages and thinking about the Christ and his, his coming, and who he was, and, and what was resonant there, what he had been created for. The Holy Spirit kept turning my attention. And I just, can I put something into your heart? Let me, let me tell you this. Before you knew him, he knew you. When you were just clay in the hands of the Lord, being molded in your mother's womb. Now, don't go biology on me, I know it doesn't happen that way, but figuratively. When God knit you together purposely and intentionally in his mother's womb with regards to the physical body and the attributes and the character, uh, not the character, but the uh, personality that he gave you. God knit you together specifically so that you could fulfill the purpose that he had, had placed you in the earth for in life. Now We can look at people who have made great accomplishments in life. My mind was running through uh, Michelangelo's and, you know, uh, Leonardo da Vinci's and coming into present day. There are sports heroes that people wear their names on their backs. And, uh, I mean, LeBron James has distinguished himself as basketball. I still go back to Michael Jordan because I think he was awesome. And, uh, I mean, he could almost do it as good as I could. And... (laughs) (coughs) Basketball was never my gift, nor my calling. But, I mean, there's people that stand out for their accomplishment. We just had, and I know that you got mixed feelings about it, but but George Bush, that just passed away the other day, one of our presidents, uh, there's some things that he did that I, that I think he did a fantastic job. There's some things I don't agree with him and what he did, but there are some things that he did very well. In 1982, in Africa, I got to see him speak at a school, and it made my heart swell as a young American in Africa high school student at that time and to be able to hear the vice president of the United States of America speak in Kenya, it warmed my heart, made me proud to be an American, lit me up, I I loved it, but you know at that point he was the vice president and then he became the president and you know he accomplished some great things for our nation again I, I kind of felt like he was a bit of a globalist but But uh, I don't really like that. But uh, one thing that he did distinguish himself by, he was a family man. Nobody disputes that. And I thought that his wife was an amazing lady, too. I remember her speaking to a college of young women. He said, look, I know that you've got ambitions and goals and things that you want to accomplish with your life. But not one of you, when you're lying in your deathbed, are going to say, I wish I had one more day in my office. You're going to say, I wish I had another day with my family. And... uh, so anyhow, I don't know why I'm on Barbara Bush, but George Bush passed away. But he was a man who accomplished a lot. We've got a lot of people that we can go through history and find a lot of people that accomplished a lot of things for good and a lot of things for evil. But God birthed them with a purpose in the earth. God gave them gifts and abilities. Some were twisted and distorted and went the wrong way. But God has put things in our lives because he has a potential and a purpose that he created us for that needs to be married with we will never be able to walk out the fullness of it in all that we could accomplish, in all that we do accomplish. God's intention is for it to be married together with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and, and Him activate those gifts inside of us we'll be able to be the people that He's called us to be. Well, let me step back just a little bit. And This is something that I think is frustrating for believers and maybe we haven't taught enough about it but I, I believe that we are getting some more insight on it. And so I just wanted want to say this. With regards to your giftings and your callings, don't be frustrated with what you have not yet accomplished. Now we can limit the time frame of God and we can I, I have I have I, I have been frustrated because I have prophesied things into people's lives and then seen their life end without them fulfilling it what that does to me it makes me think well did i falsely prophesy Did it was it wrong did i err and I, i prayed about it like lord how can that happen we had a good friend that i i believe had a calling in in ministry down in florida and and he he died he died. He wrestled with a whole lot of things. I really believe that in that prophecy, what God was doing was speaking over him the things that God intended to do with his life. I believe he was putting hope in his difficult situation and saying, this is what I have purposed you for. This is my intention from you. If you will just live out and follow through and, and follow me and do the things that I've called you to do, uh, it was a very tangled thing. He had a whole lot of things that he was trying to unpack and free himself from and, and things like that. But I think God was speaking to him about what God desired to accomplish, what God had created him for. But he was still allowing himself to be entangled with things that hindered him. And he ended up losing his life. He never fulfilled what I believe was his God-given calling and purpose. So what is it that roadblocks us and keep us, keeps us from walking out that calling? What is it that stops us and makes us fall short of the calling of the Lord? You know, a Michelangelo that never picked up a brush or a chisel. Did Michelangelo paint or did he? He painted, yes. (laughs) A sculptor, I'll go generic, a sculptor that never attempts to take the hammer and the chisel in hand that never risks failure the first time, that never willing to make a mistake will never rise to be what they're destined to be. A minister who never will open the word or speak to someone out there on the street or or take that step forward because they're afraid that I might offend them. Why are we so afraid about offending them and in, in so doing we offend the Lord? If you never attempt to start a business because you feel like you had it on your heart if you never attempt it and risk the difficulty that comes along with the process of building a business and the learning and the failure and the struggle and the pain if you never attempt to do what God put in your heart how will you ever grow and to be able to be successful Randy the first time you cut a built a cabinet you know there was a whole lot of scrap wood that came out of that process, because of perfection and determination, and to get it right, and a, a will and a, and a heart to be able to make it right. But why do we stop short when it comes to our service for the Lord? God's called us to do things. Along with that, we've been given Jesus. And I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again: Jesus, with all that He accomplished on the cross. He said, it is necessary that I go to be with my Father so that the promise can come, so that the comforter can come, so that the paraclete, the one called alongside, can come. Jesus, it was, I mean, if I had, I think it would have been pretty awesome to have Jesus around today. Right? But he said, but it's necessary that I go so that the comforter can come, so that the Holy Spirit can come, that the promise can be fulfilled. That same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead has been given for us. He's come alongside us to help us be successful in life. I wish that there was some divine switch that I could flip or some window that I could open up or pull back the curtain so that you could see and understand in the clay of your life, in the fabric and fiber in your life, the clay is too vague a term, in the perfection of the pieces that God put in your life. What amazing thing God can, com- can, can accomplish through you if we will just learn to yield and walk out the process of God developing and strengthening our muscles. Even Jesus had to grow up. Even Jesus had to learn to be obedient. Even Jesus had to learn to submit to authority. Even Jesus had to grow from day to day and grow in favor of the Lord and walk out that life. Why do we think all of a sudden, that you know, I didn't get it right today. I missed it. Why do we think that it's going to be an automatic thing with us? Look, we're automatically made right with Christ when we receive him. We are made right with regards to our relationship with God. But the process of being a fruitful believer takes time. It takes discovery of the gifts and abilities that that He's put within us. And a lot of times we are able to see the spiritual gifts. We've been doing a study on the spiritual gifts, but we don't understand how those things apply to our practical life. There's natural talents and abilities that God has put in your life. Some of those things that you're developed, that you have developed or you are developing, and God put them there for a vehicle that He can use to accomplish His purposes. Don't don't get so caught up in the spiritual that you diminish what is important of the physical. If Jesus was fully God but had a a frail or maimed body that he couldn't accomplish the things he needed to, even his physical body needed to be strong. God needs your physical life. He needs your business life. He needs the areas of your life to be in order and to be and I, I, I'm, I'm hesitating just a little bit and i should he needs those things to be in order so that he can entrust you with the things of the kingdom god will activate gifts in people and use them in the supernatural realm while while in their character and their behavior they're not always perfect now that doesn't really come from my spiritual roots <laughs> they wouldn't say that right But the sanctification process of God teaching us how to walk holy is vital to our growth and our development and our learning to be obedient to Him. When we come across things in our life that we discover are ugly or our attitude really stinks or we don't respond the right way, it's what do we do next? Are we willing to make it right? Or do we just ignore it and move on? Well, that's just who I am. I'm going to tell you, that was a strong word. I I really, I really hate the words, that's just who I am. Because when somebody says that, they just excuse themselves from ever getting better, ever being willing to change, that's just who I am. No. If it doesn't reflect the character of Christ, that's not who you were created to be. That's who you've chosen to be. It may reflect where you came from in your past, but God can change you within this body of believers, these people sitting here today, the resident giftings and abilities that we're pregnant with, that God desires to draw out and utilize for his kingdom purposes, it would be staggering if we could measure it on heaven's scale. We still weigh and measure ourselves based on our earthly achievements, and whether they are broken and, and whether those accomplishments don't seem to amount to much, or whether they're grand, on either way, those things can get in the way of what God wants to do in our lives, because whether, our, whether we've failed out through life or whether we've been victorious through life with regards to natural achievement, Either one of those extremes on the scale have to be submitted humbly to the cross of Christ. That we're nothing except for what Christ has done in us. Our victories can get just as much in the way of Christ as our failures. He knows our failures. He knows our victories. And folks, he can use either one to be able to accomplish his purposes. We just need to be willing to be obedient to him. But I I just pray The thought that the Lord placed on my heart with regards to Christ is just as in that young developing form, Jesus was pregnant with all that he would ever be, that he had inside of him the full nature of God. That God, Scripture tells us, and it boggles my mind, but he said that we've been given the nature of God. There's, through the Holy Spirit, there's a lot more resident inside of us. We are not God. Can I just be plain with that? So let the air out of that sail. We are not God, but he's created us to walk as his representatives in the earth, and we've been empowered by his spirit in, spirit in the earth to do amazing things. So we need to stop discrediting ourselves and limiting what he can accomplish through us and start being the people that he's called us to be. You are chosen. You are anointed. You are called. And God can use us. For his glory all the gifts and all the abilities and all the anointing that God's given God can do great things through us if we'll just be submitted to him we're going to stand and go to the Lord in prayer what I had in my heart I don't, know if, I, don't, I don't know if I've been able to communicate the way I want to be able to communicate I just tell you I wrestle with that I'm wrestling with that right now so Lord we're going to pray Heavenly Father I need you to take what you desire to say to your people, dear Lord, and and sow it like seed into the hearts of these men and women that are standing here today. Lord, I believe that there is so much more. God, help us not to be comfortable with what you've accomplished in us. Help us not to be comfortable with just having salvation, dear God. Help us not to be comfortable with, with our past, dear God, But, Lord, help us to press towards the mark of our high calling. Lord, we need your Holy Spirit active inside of us so that we step beyond our natural and into your supernatural. Lord, would you set the captives free? I'm reminded of Jesus the first time he spoke. Without having done all kinds of glamorous and glorious things, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me. He's anointed me to preach the good news. He's anointed me to set at liberty those who are captive, to open the eyes of the blind. Lord Jesus, there's an anointing resting on this people this morning. And God, as of yet, we may not have seen all that you can accomplish through us, your God, but the anointing is there. So, Holy Spirit, would you work through us. Remove every obstacle and every hindrance, anything that would stand in your way. And, Lord God, may you be glorified through our lives, your God. May you accomplish your purposes in us. God, and use us in the simple things and in the grand. In both, your God, may you be glorified. And, Lord, we'll give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Y'all be blessed.